Jerks in the Fourth Row podcast for the season one finale episode. Dog, did you ever think we'd get to the end of season one? Hey, oh, you know what? I didn't know that this was even going to be a season. <laughs> like, I, we didn't plan on this having any type of structure, but I think basically what ending season one and starting season two is just going to allow us to do is what just like broaden the topics a little bit yeah i think season two who knows what's what's expected for us i mean we definitely want to keep a little bit of a movie theme but we're open to whatever in season two so yeah like you said did not think that we'd be 50 some odd episodes in talking about a season two but i'm glad we are and i'm and i'm looking forward to what we're what we're capable of in the second season we might surprise yeah, ourselves it's definitely, it's definitely uh made possible by listeners like you um, like me? And, uh, that's what, that, not like you, Doug, but like our <laughs> listeners. Um, although I know you sit in your room and listen to this all the time. And I just do. Listen to our, our, you know, I'm just kidding. Um, but seriously, uh, a lot of our episodes are inspired by people writing in, and uh, that's what this episode's all about. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a great segue, homie. See, after 50 episodes, your segue skills have just like really gotten good. Uh, but now I just need to make sure not to say the word like. 50 times because sometimes I there's so many uh learning opportunities in this so anyways keep going uh but so you just ruined that segue as good as you set it up you just knocked it down exactly so. but that's see that's true jerks fashion I gotta <laughs> you know contradict myself a little bit or you know just you know ruin a, a completely good take so let's let's talk about what this episode all right so many of you many of you guys um saw a couple weeks ago we had a uh, something on our social media that was asking for mailbag questions so it's kind of an ask the jerks podcast that we're doing today and a lot of you guys you know really responded and sent one if not multiple questions that we're going to try and tackle today yeah so i think we've uh, organized it in uh, not in any specific order, but uh, Phil being the host, I think he's going to kind of take the reins and start reading some of the questions. Um, so again, this this whole episode is going to be just answering your questions that you've taken the time to write in. And uh, if you uh, you guys can always keep them coming. And, and this this episode isn't the last time we're going to take feedback. So For sure, yeah. I'm starting up. I love these types of formats when I'm listening into podcasts, so hopefully we can make this a reoccurring thing and do a couple of them in season two. So, all right, so let's get started here. We got one from, or we've got a couple of questions submitted from Will from Rhode Island. Um, he goes, hey jerks, first time, long time here. <laughs> I'm going to fire some questions you for at you at random. Um, so dog, I'll let you just answer this one first and then I'll kind of pipe in, but he asks... Who is the ideal slash dream Jerks in the Fourth Row podcast guest for each of you, dead or alive? Great question. Great way to start it out. Um, you know, I think uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt would probably be an interesting <laughs> one just because it would be awkward to put me in a room with him at this point. Um, but my, my truthful answer is uh, Chris Farley. Uh, nice. So I would love to be on the other side of Chris Farley doing his impersonation or doing an impersonation of his Saturday Night Live uh, interviewers, you know, who's just like, remember when you're you're in that movie and, and you're awesome. Oh, just do the Chris, <laughs> just do the Chris Farley reverse on him, like exactly. so. Exactly. Hey, mem remember Beverly Hills Ninja? Remember that? That was remember awesome. That? that was awesome. 
Um, that, also, it would just be so hard to keep him in a seat. And that was actually kind of, I went for the fun interview on mine too. Also a dead guy in Robin Williams. I feel like any time that either one of those guys, Chris Farley or Robin Williams, was on any type of like late night show, it was just hard to keep them in the seat and like they just wanted to just go and do what they do best to just kind of entertain. And I don't even know what I would ask them necessarily. It would, well, I know we'd just be entertained. Well, they, you'd have to firstly like mic up the room. So, right. so you know, you, you're right. You couldn't keep either one of them in a seat because they're so emphatic. But also, just the constant Chris Farley moving around like this all the time, the constant noise <laughs> alone would uh, would be a lot to deal with. But um, you'd probably get a no, chub- those- you'd probably get a chubby cartwheel in there somewhere, and then Robin Williams would probably cross the line at some point. I'd lo- I'd love it. But also, like Chris Farley, just he's one of those guys that no matter what, if he's on. If he's if you're paying attention to him, it's gonna be funny. So for me, that's the perfect interview because no matter what you do as an interviewee or an interviewer, uh, you're gonna get some gold out of it. Definitely. All right, so we got a ton of questions to get to. Will's got a second one here. He goes, "Can we get the jerks to do a deep dive into rockumentaries? The dog can provide insight as a follow rocker." So, I'm dog. I'm gonna concede my time and let you answer this question. So. I would love to. I mean, I was, Phil and I were talking beforehand, of course, getting distracted about what other types of podcast material we'd like to get into outside of media and movies and stuff. Uh, and I could just do, I, I feel like I could talk about music all day. That's why it'd be boring to hear me talk about all the Hendrix rockumentaries and the, the Pink Floyd docu- rockumentary, like all these ones that I'm like... I feel like I would, it would just be boring to listen to me talk. No way, no way. Doug, if our listeners aren't bored by now for us doing 50-plus movie podcasts where we mention Leo every single time, they would, they would. would. I'm sure they'd welcome your music knowledge. I don't know. I mean, it's... I don't know. I, I just... I feel like it, it's hard to... It's hard to sometimes talk about something that's way out of your, your league. You know what I mean? When, like, so rockumentaries are like inspirational things for me. So for, it's hard to to give any criticism because they happen the way that they're supposed to. And, and, and for me, music's just bigger than like Hollywood and, and, and movies are easy to make fun of, but for me, music's a little bit, it, it goes beyond uh, the, just the people, you know, dog, I trust with your wealth of knowledge. I, I trust it. It'd be a good one. I'll just be here to, to record their takes. Okay. All right. Moving along. He goes along the same lines, along the same lines as that last question. What's a plot for a movie that you'd like to see that has yet to be creative? Mine would be a, a biopic or a biopic for Elvis or the band. So that's Will saying that. Yeah. Um, his would be the, Elvis. Yeah, that, Will's, Will's that's right. That there, hasn't, there hasn't been a uh, biopic or a, a movie done of Elvis. That's, that's like there, shocking. Almost. I feel like there has. I feel like there's been like made-for-TV movies. Like definitely, there's definitely been people who have tried to impersonate him but i don't think there like there is like the bohemian rhapsody sorry dog the the doors you know biopic you know uh, you know actual one that we look to were like that's elvis so i think that that's probably the one that would most likely be made the band i mean and there isn't a fictional one but there's just the, the last waltz is just untouchable waltz, yeah right? it's just untouchable there, anything that could come out wouldn't albums. even compare they, they have some other rockumentaries too. Um, but a story that hasn't been told that I think would be really interesting 
uh, let's see, maybe that of, and, and, and it's tough because a lot of these stories are still being told. So like my answer to straight out of Compton maybe would be um, uh, Kanye West's. Um, yeah, that'd be, like, a, that'd be a think, really good one. I think it's pretty, I think he's got a really interesting story starting with him getting in like a, a car accident and having to rap through the wire like that song. Mm -hmm. um, but also just like his rise through Rockefeller Records and, and having to hitch his wagon and stuff, but now becoming like this, the, the richest black man that's, that's ever lived um, on top of just being... Uh, just wait, well, really wait, 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 richest black. Okay, we'll have to fact check that once is we it, do it. I'm pretty sure Kanye is the. I'm pretty sure. Right? Uh, we'll we'll, we'll okay. get we'll get it to check those to check our stats. We'll get our team of interns on that. But yeah, I think that that would be a really interesting one. I think I would want to see something about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, just with like the drama of like John Frusciante and like his his drug issues. Anthony Kiedis, obviously with his talent flee with the, the other things that he wanted to do. He seems like a, he, you know, likes acting just as much as he does, you know, playing the bass. Uh, so I, and then just, I don't know, maybe get Will Ferrell to play the drummer because he looks like him so much. But I, th I think that, that that would be really interested. And I really don't know their history, but I've known that every album has had someone different, Dave Navarro, at that lead guitarist position because of just all the issues that, that they've been through. So that would, that would be my answer. Yeah, that would definitely create some, some avenues. Um, by the way, looked it up. Kanye is the richest black man in America. Okay. At 6.6, at 6.6 billion. So not, Six, not the richest what? black man in the world. Yep. Well, him and Kim are breaking up. So I, actually she's probably <laughs> worth 6 billion herself. So there's, Hopefully there's a prenup. Too, too bad it didn't work out for those two. Really sad. I think that would just be a, a pretty fascinating story and kind of a more modern one um, that deals with the, the music industry. Um, or also, let me, that, him, or uh, there's a, a record producer, Rick Rubin. I think there'd be a fascinating movie about him because he produces just a slew of acts that I won't even go into. But Rick Rubin's life, I think, would be really interesting just because you'd have to find somebody to play every single like system of a down or you'd have to find somebody to play the beastie boys or somebody to play, you know, anyways. So uh, th those are my answers. What okay. about you? Well, I, I did. I told you red hot chili peppers, but so I, I'll just leave it at that. Right, right, right. right. Um, all right. Last question. Think Elvis, I think Elvis is a really interesting, the, the fact that they haven't really, I can't the believe one it. I can think of is Jack White in walk hard. Uh, with Dewey Cox story, he plays Elvis for just a quick minute, and yeah. that's the only one I can really think. He of. does. There's a guy. There was a guy in Forrest Gump that made a cameo and did a and did a impersonation. I feel like there's just he's been like a I side. I think they showed his. They don't show his face in Forrest. Gump, no, though, right. But. They just show him doing the move. So, all right, moving along here. Um, who are the jerks eyeing for sponsorships? The review of the week presented by Mokwin and Daily has a great ring to it. Shout, <laughs> shout out to Mokwin and Daily. Yeah, well, uh, that that would be fine and good. Uh, maybe a market basket, uh, but uh, which Phil and I both shop there. Yeah, uh, but I think I think our, our our most likely sponsor at this point is Polar uh, uh, Seltzer, <laughs> and it truly the seltzer for me. Truly the seltzer for for all types of occasions. Uh, it keeps my keeps my uh, mouth. If anyone's listening. Uh, 
Yeah, we'll work on we'll work on the script for that one. But if anyone's if anyone listened to our uh, Jerks in the Blind podcast, we already started to uh, plead our case for a little polar seltzer. Tim goes through about four of them during a one hour podcast session. So at the very least, they can send us some free merch. But yeah, polar seltzer's got to be the one. Um, I think something along the lines with like you know Slim Jim or some sort of beef jerky would fit nicely. You know, jerks jerky. Uh, Jack Links, sort of Jack's Jack Links. Tim, yeah. you're a Sasquatch, so yeah, maybe Jack Links jerky. Well, I was thinking more like some sort of dog food because initially <laughs> the podcast was called three, uh, three Dogs in a Movie, uh, so some sort of D A W G food. Uh, it could be like Snoop Dogg like uh, cereal, so it's like dog food. Uh, uh, that could be a good one. Yeah. Uh, well, get get at us with any others, but I think I think we uh, kind of took took the easy ones at least right off the bat. Polar seltzer, beef jerky, dog food, you name it. So, all right, let's 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 go to another uh, one of our submissions. Will, thank you for your submissions. Those are done. Um, we toss that anyway. We got a submission here from Brian from Las Vegas, and he has a couple of questions for us, Tim. It looks like this one. Is direct. The first one is uh, directed to you. Um, he goes, has Tim ever been 100% sure of any draft pick or list item? Or was he always between two choices? And that's in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question, Brian. Uh, thank you for writing in. Um, let me think on that. Let me flip-flop in my... No, what I, li- I like to... <laughs> Are you between two happens. answers right now? <laughs> I like to present what's going on in my brain as as weird as that is that's kind of the way that I figure things out sometimes with Phil and some people find it entertaining like I get made fun of all the time for just rambling but Phil seems to find a way to to keep my uh, in my attention and focus here but anyways so have I ever yes I have I know that Leo's number one on a lot of my lists, and I'm usually pretty sure. I do go with gut reactions a lot, too. Yeah. And then- so, I, Tim, let me – I can answer this for you. I think Tim comes in with maybe – if we're doing a top five list, I think Tim has seven. And I think it bases – he tries to uh, shoot, narrow it down, or maybe he'll come in with ten, narrow it down to, to kind of either counter or go mm-hmm. along with my answers. And it's, I think it's whatever he's feeling. People have come back to me, dog, and said, oh, I really liked your top five list on – whatever, Jim Carrey movies or whatever. And I have to think back. If I don't have my notes right in front of me, I can't remember what I said five to one. Five to one. So I think it's a little right, bit of a feel thing for me too, whatever I'm feeling that day. Well, because we're, and we're also, you're right, playing against each other. Like what was Phil going to pick? What am I going to pick? So I definitely do cater my answers to what I think you're going to talk about. Um, but also I, I think it's... Uh, it allows me some wiggle room. And I think some of the interesting parts of this podcast are that we are figuring out our opinions as we kind of talk about it, I think. Uh, and that's what what's kind of fun about it is we have the wiggle room because it's ours, but it's also that's, I guess, what's entertaining to some is is the, it, it's it's basically how we as brothers figure out our opinions on stuff is presenting it in a, in a passionate way and then, and then, uh, you know, being able to have the humility to say, oh, shit, maybe I was a little bit wrong. Yeah. Maybe I should rethink that. A lot of what we do, too, we kind of want it to sound like you're just sitting out at the bar, sitting on the couch with one of your buddies or brothers or whatever. 
And, you know, you don't necessarily have to have facts behind it or really know what you're talking about. Just kind of flowing with the conversation and, you know, just shooting the shit and bouncing stuff off 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 each other. So we do a little bit. We do do a good amount of preparation for these things. But when it's go time, dog, I think you more than I just kind of make up a lot of your decisions on the go. So that's why it sounds like he's always between two. It's less like making up my decisions and it's more like answering the question in the moment for the for the moment's sake so like how is my uh, argument going to be effective in that moment and i and i change it and manipulate it based on that but if you were like the only way i can actually write out my true opinion on something is if i were to like write it out or or like kind of actually take the time to to sculpt it because when we're talking about stuff like this on the fly it's certainly uh it certainly is a progressive understanding as as it were nice all right other question from brian here it says can we get more music related content i thought you guys did an awesome job with the soundtrack countdown answer to that definitely i think season two we're gonna do i mean is everyone anyone who knows tim knows how you know connected to music he is and i know there's been a lot of stuff that we've even thought about or just haven't been able to get the topic right that i think we want to tackle in season two so think short answer to that is yes let's do more music stuff i love editing music into you know uh, the tools that we use here so definitely looking forward to doing more of that dog anything dad uh i think yes is the answer i don't really have much more to add again i could i could do my own specific podcast on music i just don't think that would be all that interesting i need somebody like you to to balance me out a little bit because I would just ramble I would just end up talking about what's going on like in my own head but I need somebody to direct me when we're when we're trying to produce a a succinct product that's why I'm here homie you're the talent I'm the structure boom you're my boy all right so thanks Brian uh from Las Vegas uh for all of those questions he also has a he also goes on to mention a couple of episode suggestions like we like we asked for at the beginning of the at the podcast so uh one of them is hater a haters ball and then a six degrees of kevin bacon i won't get into the details uh but definitely sounds like some promising ideas that we'll try to dive into in season two uh all right so that one's behind us here thank you john all right uh dog you want to take these next ones these are kind of more okay yeah you got the list there yeah, I got this here. Uh, so let's see here. What who's who's writing in to the jerks? Uh, so Kevin B from Phoenix writes, uh, and and I think this is specifically to Phil. Why do you dislike the Marvel superhero movie? Kev, great great uh, question. I think we we tackled this on a I just don't get it podcast, which I think released after he probably submitted this question, but. For me, it's it's too structured and it's too much CGI with with a very predict very predictable time time schemes or very predictable scripts. There's usually two or three epic battles that I that are just completely like you're watching a vid- someone playing a video game, and uh, the structure is way too similar in in every single one of them. I'm I'm just saturated by it. That's that's. It's right, you kind of the decision. It's like formulaic for you, so it's always and there really is at the end of every single superhero movie just a big CGI battle. Like Maddie and I were talking about this the other day because we were, we were watching one, but 
like Wonder Woman was so good, and then it, and then at the end there was like, of course, a huge CGI battle that kind of like detracted from the movie for being one of the right the, the better superhero movies. But these guys with really super, these guys with superpowers and hammers and shields and all this stuff, and they're they're sitting around punching each other in the face. It's just for for seemingly half the movie. It just seems like a waste of time to me. It just it feels more like yeah, like I said, watching a video game than. Than actually having oh, any you, any you, type of you plot see the guys, you see the actual actors standing in front of a green screen, and that takes you out of it. Sick. Yep. Uh, next one here. So, what what uh, do we got for the next question? Moving on. All right, I'm coming. I'm coming at you here, Doug. Uh, what was the worst movie you have ever seen? I mean, that's tough, but this is coming from Kevin again. What's the worst movie you've ever seen, Doug? Geely, Ben Affleck, J Lo. Geely's the worst one I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't think I've seen it yet. Still, um, but worst movie I think I've ever seen. I'm still trying to get through, and and I'm gonna say this with with a the heavy heart. Maybe the Hobbit trilogy. Maybe that's not the worst movie I've ever seen. But like, I still have yet to get through with like Lord of the Rings is one of my favorites. But like the Hobbit trilogy is just for me because of the CGI and all the the goofy characters and the singing and stuff, I just couldn't get through it and it was just a travesty to me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Or I don't or maybe uh the new Harley Quinn movie Birds of Prey. Oh that God, I didn't even give that one a chance. Oh, that one looked bad. Poor Jeez. Margot Robbie, we'll we'll forgive you for that. Jeez. Man, that is just it's just it's kind of unbearable. Well, the first one was but, I, like usually you get a spinoff if the first movie's good. The first movie wasn't even good, like the one where they're all in it. Uh, so huge, huge disappointment. Yeah. All right, but moving on here, uh, Phil, uh, who would you say your least favorite actress is? Okay, so this is like one of those ones that we've done, I think, before. But Kelly Kakuya, Kelly Kakuya, the the girl from uh, the Big Bang Theory. Gosh, I oh uh, Kelly Kuko, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think she's my least favorite actress. Um, and then act- I'm gonna have to get yeah. Who's your actress? And then I gotta yeah, think on my your least favorite actor. Um, actor. Um, I don't know. Seth Seth Green. I, I really I I didn't think about actor. I thought that when I was reading the question, it was actress and actor or or actor. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just go. Seth, Seth Green's a good answer. Let's though. just go Seth Green. Like. The only part, like, Italian job would have been a full point higher if he wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I gotta say, and I think, again, we, a lot of these questions are submitted. Uh, you, you'll hear me on our uh, podcast we're about to release talk about, uh, or wait, no, we just did release about Julia Roberts, how I just don't get, kind of just don't get her, so she's probably my answer. Whoa, 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 um, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, when I was talking to you, actress. I understand that you just don't get her. I didn't realize she's your least favorite actress. Well, because I, I just don't get it. Like, why? I mean, yeah, pretty much anything she's in besides Aaron Brockovich. I just, I really don't. I can't think of many other actresses who I'm just like, I eye roll at or anything like that. Or, you know. I yeah, all right. Where, fair where it's fair enough. Roberts. We'll point you back to uh, I just don't get it for, for that question and the one before. What about actor? I mean, are we going the famous not Joseph. I don't think Joseph Gordon-Levitt is my least favorite actor. Like I just like to shit on him because it's funny at this point, <laughs> and that goes back to our very first episode on Inception. Actually, uh, I've been shitting on him for an entire season. So maybe I'll give Joseph Gordon-Levitt a break in season two. We'll see. 
Uh, I, I don't know. I doubt I, it. I hope not. Uh, but I don't know. For an actor, I, I, one of my least favorites, I, I, I yes, Remy Malek from uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody. That guy just makes me feel uncomfortable looking at him. <laughs> so that's probably, that's my gut reaction right now. If you were to ask me next week, you'd get a different answer, but that's my, that's my reactive answer. He's trending down uh, in my so, book, too. After that Denzel so, movie that he just did, he's trending down. Well, whatever. So, continuing on with uh, Kevin's questions, uh, if you watch only for the rest of your life, what would it be? If I could watch one movie for the rest of my life, what would it be? Um, you know what I, I had on the other day that was really funny and I really liked was the Ben Stiller movie, um, oh, what's it called? You ever seen? Ah, uh, no, that's a bad one. That's a bad one. I'm kind of thinking on the fly. Why don't I just? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say Dumb and Dumber because I never get sick yeah, of that I movie. Mean, I find something different. Watch, it's one you could literally watch over and over and over. Um, for me, I think it would actually be Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. If I could watch, that's a good one. If I could watch one movie that. You know, because the what I think why why I would choose that one specifically to watch over time. Not only is it historical, but it's got different elements. It's got music. It's got action. It's got uh, it's got romance. So you know, if, if I only had one, no, just, if I only had uh, you know one option for <laughs> outlet for uh, you know uh, media that's you know covers a bunch of bases. So yeah. Forrest Gump's got to be my go-to. And also, there's one. You know, that's like one of my late, quote-unquote, lake house movies. So I'm, I'm, that's another idea I've been discussing with a lot of friends is like a lot of the friends go up to their lake houses or go, go to their cabins where there's only a VHS player and there's like five movies. And, you know, they fall in love with those movies. And I think Forrest Gump is definitely that one for me. Yeah. Um, if I had an old school so one, I, I, could, really, I could watch that. I really like Legends of the Fall, too, for whatever reason. I think it's just because of Brad Pitt, but... Like, for whatever reason, I really get into that movie every single time it's on. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, Brad Pitt, I forget who the lead actress is in that one, but it just, it get it captures, it gets me every single time. Like, I, if, if it's on TV, yeah. then I'm, I'm staying till the end, and it's a pretty long movie, too. Yeah, and it's not like, because that, that doesn't mean Forrest Gump's my favorite movie. No, no, these, neither of these are my favorite of all time. It's just most rewatchable and most, yeah. Shawshank's up there too. Right. Anyways, I, I didn't give yeah, a single. If right. I had to do one, the the question was one movie, so I'll just go Dumb and Dumber, just because it's the one that I've watched probably the most in my life, and I still love it. Very, very smart. Uh, <laughs> Dumb and Dumber is very smart. Uh, so number five, the question. I'll move along here. Uh, what's the oddest thing you've ever seen in a, in a movie theater? Oh man, the oddest thing I've ever seen in a movie theater. Other than you, Tim? <laughs> but, um... <laughs> hey, um... I don't know. I, I, I was stumped by this question. I mean, usually I'm pretty focused on the movie, but... I don't know. Do you, did you so, have an answer? I, I can't say that no, I, I, had... I had... I did have one. So I worked... When I worked out in Nashville, at Nashville Brewing Company, I, they had a... a, a uh, one of their locations where I was managing was a movie theater, like three or four dollar movie theater or a brewery and a game room. So anyway, 
the one weird thing that happened was there was this real sketchy guy who um, came in and who just stunk like weed. Um, and not that that was a huge problem, but he was just like standing in the aisle throughout the whole movie. And I had like people come up to ask me like, what's going on with this guy? But like somebody knew him and like was trying to make an excuse for him. But basically I had to ask him to leave. And so that was one of the weirder things, but I guess one of the, the that was when I was working. So you see a bunch of weird shit when you're working, but it, personal experiences in a movie theater I guess uh, I guess I did come into once I did come into a movie theater where there was a a sole couple sitting in the back row and uh, I don't know that there was there's a lot of fluttering going on as I walked yeah. past so that's probably the weirdest. He did the old hole in the bottom of the popcorn barrel trick. Is that what he was doing? Yeah, the classic trick. Exactly. Uh, all right. I don't think I've ever witnessed that, but I'm sure I've been in the theater where that's happening. So I'll just assume that that's happened. That'll be my answer. Um, all right, what do we got next? Bill's yeah. too embarrassed. So anyways, because uh, he's doing all the weird shit. Who knows? He's probably... Probably, the probably yeah. Yeah, nothing I want to self-incriminate So moving on to weird sexiness. Uh, if you could have one sexy scene in a movie, who would play opposite to you? Uh-oh. Oh, I think I think this is. there's no surprise here. I'm going to go Blake Lively. I think, you know, I'm, I remember in Entourage how everyone has like that if this person comes to your front doorstep, you have the, the, the pass for this person. It's Blake. It's Blake Lively. She, I mean, everything that she was in, the uh, simple plan, she, she was kind of played a badass. Even in the town, she just, I mean, she does a variety of roles in every single one of those roles, I'm, I gotta say, I'm attracted to. So, Blake, final answer, Blake Lively. Well, well sorry, Crystal. Uh, she knows. Congratulations on... She knows. And I, she has a list. She hers is Vince Vaughn. She would do one for Vince Vaughn, and that would be the end of me. Uh, her and Vince Vaughn would, would like the end of Wedding Crashers, just kind of disappear into the into the horizon, in a in a convertible, well, well far away from that's me. Good so. to know, that's good to know now that she's joining the family. Uh, congratulations to you guys. Uh, Phil popped the question this past week. So, I did. Uh, I did. Vin, so I made sure. I made sure Vince Vaughn wasn't in the room when I did it. <laughs> yeah, but he made sure I wasn't around either to mess anything up. You, there, there, there was a lot of hijinks that went along with it. But anyways, I figured I'd uh, throw congratulations on there. Thank there you. For you. Thank you. We're happy. Thanks, Doug. So moving on. Who's Who's uh, your sexy scene? So for me, actually, my sexy scene. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Uh, I'm not shocked yeah. there either. I like I like Scarlett Johansson, or maybe just if I had the opportunity, just uh, Salma Hayek. <laughs> uh, but Scarlett Johansson is probably my choice. You can't go wrong. Um, so uh, what is your best uh, snack in the theater while we're on? So you, I know you like the popcorn to stick your penis in, uh, but what else? <laughs> What's your favorite snack? <laughs> I dog. I can't either confirm it, but I I gotta say I I would go. The movie popcorn. You just can't imitate it at home. I've tried. It's. I, I know that's kind of a vanilla answer, but I just love movie theater popcorn. Extra butter, extra salt. Give it to me with a sprite and a uh, some sour patch. Hole in the bottom. Some sour patch kids. <laughs> <laughs> And bring your pocket knife, right? Yeah. Sour Patch Kids for sure. What do you, I'm, I'm also not opposed. If they've got a, if if the hot dogs are looking good, I'll go after a hot dog too. Oh man, Lloyd, classic Lloyd Braun move. Uh, <laughs> um, 
You know that reference? Of course. I would I would never give you $100 to go to the snack shop with because you'd come back with a stick of gum and no change. <laughs> uh, all right. Last one from uh, from Kevin here. Uh, oh, what, what's your snacks? What's your snacks? Uh, I, um, uh, Sour Patch Kids are movie theater snacks. And uh, Whoppers or Milk Duds, those things you can they make a ton of noise in the theater, so you could just like really piss everybody off. So that's yeah. And but, what, wherever uh, wherever you can, I mean, pop, popcorn you can't imitate, but if you can sneak those, if you can sneak into the CVS next door or the Walgreens and stuff your pockets, all the better. Because there's no way I'm paying five fifty for a box of Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, that's that's the move, man. You, you're a fool if you do otherwise. All right, last last question, dog here from. Uh, from Kevin from Phoenix, uh, what's the scariest movie you've seen? Like, if you, if, sorry, I'm messing up the re, the reading. If you could live in a movie, like it is actually real life, not a movie, what movie would it be? I think there's two questions in there because I don't think I'd want to live in the scariest movie that I've ever seen. But um, so I think I think we, when he submitted that, or maybe when we were. Printing these I out. I see. I see. I see. No, it's my fault. Right. All right. So, so, so the, that actually. All right. So what? All right. So let me combine the two questions together here for you. What is a movie that caused you real life fear? Uh, the Shining, for sure. I think The Shining still yeah. is like. I think it's because I saw it at such a young age and it made such an impression. But like, particularly that scene in the bathtub with the old lady is just. God, like I still have nightmares about that. Uh, Exorcist is is up there too. With the girl, uh, obviously the, the the possessed girl, uh, but I think Shining overall was was the most scary. No, no joke. No, arachnophobia it's ruined like really kind of like I saw it too young. Like I definitely saw arachnophobia with Jeff Daniels too young because I will go out in the woods by myself, deep you know whatever, and it's not the bears or the it's the Friggin' spiders when I'm playing around in the, in the rocks that scare the shit out of me. Like, it's the small things that you don't see, you know? Yeah, you're impressionable, for sure. At a young age, I think that those stick with you. Um, and then, do you want me to answer the other part of that question? What was it if, if you wanted to live in a movie? You, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I like the futuristic movies. I kind of like those types of movies um minority report is too bad because yeah because i'm sure i'll commit a crime that i'll get in trouble for they'll 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 nab me for it uh so but i do like those futuristic ones um i don't know i i have i don't know i i i think i saw this as the same question when i was reading it so sorry kev i don't have anything prepared do you do you have a movie that you want to live in let me think on it while you do it all right yeah now, for some reason i just go straight to truman show <laughs> oh you wish that, that you were Tru do you wish you were truman no no i don't i just uh that that whole his the whole life like uh no, I don't. It's like, it's just very ideal. Like, it's utopian. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're going to live your rest... All right, so if you're going to live the rest of your life out on set, it's a nice set. I don't know. How about this one? That's, that's I, not my answer. I wasn't prepared either. How about this one? I wish I lived on the other on the Matrix side of the Matrix. So, you know when, when uh, Cyber is trying to become the, the person who 
he just wants to be plugged into the matrix and turn his mind off and like just be, be mm-hmm. like I think I would have liked to live on both sides and then done what he what he was bribing uh, Neo and Morpheus to do. Gotcha. That's just off the thread. I, that's that's really kind of a dumb answer, but yeah, moving along, moving along, moving on. Uh, so is that the one we, last one we got from Kev? Yep. Moving on to Eric from Dover. All right, Kevin behind us. Eric from Dover, Eric W from Dover. What what do we got? Um, all right, Eric is asking us what is your best or worst movie going experience. I think I think uh, Phil and I probably share our one of our worst in that it was uh, uh, Dumb and Dumber Two. Oh yeah, that's uh, bad. On Thanksgiving, uh, we we as a family. We all went uh, as me and our cousins and aunts and uncles, and uh, we we all went to the theater. And as a family, we almost got up and walked out. It was so disappointing and so bad. We it was like it was hard not to talk through it and mock it in the theater. So that was like a a really disheartening movie going experience. Yeah, I mean, I still remember that as a fun day, like with the family and everything like that, but it was definitely a big, big disappointment. Um, another worst one, I, w- I went to go see, I was really excited about this movie. I think it was called like, it was with Kelsey Grammer. It was some submarine movie that I thought was like really funny. Uh, what was it called? UB, it wasn't UB 4571. It was like down under, it was like a, there's a lot of submarine movies coming out at the time, and I think I like Periscope Down. Periscope Down, yeah. exactly. I think that was Kelsey Grammer yeah. and Tom Arnold or something. I'm like, this is going to be funny, and it was like one of the first times I was realized like, oh, this is. It was. I was so disappointed at it, and I think there was some dickhead throwing shit at us behind us. So, it really wasn't that bad because I obviously it didn't leave too much of a, a scar on me because I can't really remember it. But I just remember being disappointed and there being some guy yelling at us for throwing stuff at us in the theater just for being kids. I don't know. Uh, but the best, yeah. the best was probably avatar. I think my best experience yeah. was avatar. And again, dog, you were there I for that gonna, one. I, you, I knew you were going to say avatar. I mean, like I could, that's like its own thing. I feel like, um, for me, a second to that was actually, uh, Avengers Endgame. So Curran and I, best bud cub, and I went and saw it, and it was like the culmination, it was a culmination movie event, but the camaraderie in the theater, like everybody was cheering, and like everybody, like each pocket of per- people had like their own, like they, they were like the nerd fans, the yeah. hardcore fans, Doug, who for- were like really excited to be there. I forgot to ask you, what, it- what did you dress up as for that, for that show? Um, <laughs> uh, Thor, no, I didn't dress up. But me, uh, uh, but no, it was just a fun experience where, you know, there's camaraderie in the theater, but also, you know, Cub and I, had, you know, had a couple of drinks, a couple of drinky poos beforehand. And it was just, we all had a great, everybody in the theater had a great time. Yeah. I think. When there's energy in the theater, I don't care what it is, even if, you know, despite my Avengers negativity or whatever, I think I would have had fun with you guys if I was there too. Something about a theater that's just hopping, laughing having a good time like it's it's yeah. fun it makes the experience fun. yeah people people just stop cheering like it, it was a, it was for us it was a movie event you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. all right next question from eric w from dover he goes can dogs cry 
what are some movie moments that made you weep? So I'll, let me let me start by mine. I mean, it's just funny that he says, can dogs cry? Because I, a lot of the pet movies that are out there, I don't know for what reason. I've just recently in the last five years, a dog, a dog owner and now in the last year, puppy owner. But a lot of like Homeward Bound, Marley and yes, Me. Homeward Bound. Yes. Like always those pet movies where either a pet dies or you think that they just show their loyalty or whatever. Always a sucker. Always gets me crying anytime I see uh, any type of pet movie. Um, there's also, so, okay. So there's a really, so this is randomly just popped in my head um, where it was a, a genuine, like it caught me off guard because it was so dark. Uh, the movie is The Grey with Liam Neeson. You cried for, and, during that? I'm, so, all right. So when he's, Liam, and spoiler alert, when Liam and his last companion are being chased down by these wolves and the last guy, like he's getting close to them and talks, was talking about committing suicide with him and then the guy goes in the river and it's a very intimate face-to-face. He's trying to pull the guy up from drowning in the river, but the guy's foot is stuck. And it's this very intimate disturbing scene and i remember watching it i believe it wasn't with putt i think i I can't remember who i watched it with first but like it took me off guard and i was like whoa that was like a very vivid but it was also just like he's just he lost everything it was it was but that's my truthful answer there but uh if you haven't seen that movie i have that's, that's a pretty i have and that that's definitely a scary scene and it's just like anxiety ridden too because his i know the scene that you're talking about his mouth is like three inches from the surface the surface of the water he can almost take a breath and they just he just can't save him and i like i think yeah, that that's that, that was important that the fact that he was so close to being able to breathe but then but then just after that liam's on the side of the bank and he calls out god he's like i'm calling on you i'm calling on you and it was just like oh shit like it got me i love <laughs> I, like, I love that movie i love that movie. And he goes fuck it i'll do it myself he just takes on this pack of wolves by himself. It was, dude, that guy, that shit, the, well, the score also has a big deal to, oh, shoot, now that I'm talking about score, Interstellar also got me a little stirred up, too, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I think, movies that have a great pairing of, score is so essential for triggering my emotions. Mm, I hear um, you. And I can remember, specifically in The Grey and Interstellar, the, tr- uh, the score triggering those things and just being like, uh, overwhelmed to the point of tears. There you go. I, we, we recently, I, those are not ones that I would have ever thought to have cried, cried for. Uh, but, right. you know, I guess to each his own, that like we got our different tastes. But I, it's funny because I love dark, like I love dark shit and I love dark shows. And me and Maddie, my roommate, are always trying to find like the goriest and gnarliest stuff. Like, But I think it's when it catches you off guard when there's like a seriously like intimately like what like a really dark scene that catches you off guard um and i'm, I'm sure you know I, I, who knows what my state was like when i was first watching it too that's that matters too what you know the whole your first experience you know mm-hmm. really does kind of go into it sure. and what your association do i do find when is. I, but again i do find when i rewatch those pet movies i do have the same reaction every single time um, I found myself with I re, Crystal and I rewatched Green Book the other night, and I was a little bit verklempt after at the at the end where he comes into Christmas dinner. Um, yeah, and then what? There's another one we watched Lady Bird, and when the mom drives the girl off to college, and like 
you know, drives around and regretfully doesn't say goodbye. Like that's, that was, that one hit me in the feels too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to answer your question, Eric uh, from Dover, dogs do cry. We do. And my dog is speaking up over there because he hears us talking about dogs. Um, all right. What, what do we got next? Thank you. Oh, is that all we got from Eric W? That is all we got from Eric W. So actually we got another Eric here. Eric T from uh, Boston, his sole question is, what is the jerk's favorite movie that they will never watch a second time? Interesting question. Oh. So uh, my favorite movie that I'll never watch a second time, and would that be because it's um, uncomfortable to watch it, or it is? or is it just you've just seen it once and you're like okay i get it and that's it um for me like a movie i never need to see again um do you have an answer for this yeah i think i do i think i mean it's just a variety of m night Shyamalan movies that like i never need to watch a second time because they're always like you watch those for like the the Though I do, I have seen Sixth Sense a couple times, and oh, but, you know, it's a great one. That, sorry, to cut. I, I was uh, I was gonna say either Un, Unbreakable is probably one that I'll never watch again, just because the the ending is it just revolves around the ending so much that I don't need to. I'm not gonna be shocked again, and like like the acting so, isn't that great where I need to go back and watch the movie. Though I really really enjoyed that movie, but don't need to watch it a second time because it revolves around the catch at the end. Or what do they call so, it? It's the not the catch. It's the uh, oh, the reveal. What is what is Shutter Island's probably another one that I don't. That's exactly what I was just gonna. The yeah. twists. The twists. Yeah, exactly. It's all about the twist for M Night, and I, you know, once once it's, I don't think I would enjoy the movie again if I watched it because I just know what the twist is gonna be. Not the catch. The twist. No, I, I, I think the twist. You're uh, releasing a movie that depends on your. Depends on the twist, certainly. I think, well, it always inspires you to uh, to want to watch it again and see how everybody is. So it's hard to use something like Shutter Island as the, the answer, which was going to be my answer. Um, uh, because I, I thought that movie was wicked colorful and I was really excited for it. And I enjoyed it the first time I saw it. And I wanted to watch it again with the, the knowledge that, you know, that I had after. Um, but that is not a movie, and you know how big of Leo fans we are, that is not a movie that I, A, would suggest for anyone or would, uh, would, would are, am anxious to go back and watch it all. Nah, so that's, I'm with that's you. my answer. I'm with you. It's my least favorite Leo movie, but it's, I still enjoyed it. Um, so thank you, Eric, for I think the that's question. The only one, yeah, that's, that's the only one from Eric, and I think Eric T. we got our last male jerk, our jerk mail-in uh, from... Who we got? Terry from Philly. Yeah, so this was a late submission, I think, just the other day. But Terry, thanks, Terry from Philly. Thank you for for writing in. What do we got here? Okay, yeah, the first question: If you could give an all-time best picture, but specifically a comedy, what would it be? I mean, I think you and I. All right, on, on three, dog. On three, say it. Oh, I, One, I don't even know if I have mine thought up. I mean. I think this goes How back to... How do you have a good reaction to this? Like, okay, you all right, said it fine, earlier. fine. Yes, I did say this earlier. So, on three? Three. <laughs> Are we One, doing three, three, two, two, 
three. Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just, especially <laughs> well, just now like, after, especially after, like, Jeff Daniels, like, he's, this is pretty much the only comedic thing that he's done. I mean, unless you consider, like, his role in Speed to be kind of funny. Like, this is really the mm-hmm. only thing that he's done comedically, and it's just one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Him and Jim Carrey, the chemistry between the two of them is hilarious. Like, the writing. You know what? And, and I actually have to say, after this year and after doing this podcast, and I think after we've taken to a lot more a lot more things into account, I think Tropic Thunder might be in the run. All right, all right. Before our podcast, I would have laughed at that, but having gone back and watching it a couple times for that podcast, like it is, it's also, really funny. All right, so best. All right, given an all time best picture, but for a comedy, like. So that, again, going back to, like, the Forrest Gump, like, there's a ton of stuff going on in, uh, just like in Forrest Gump, there's a ton of different stuff that's happening in uh, Tropic Thunder. Like, it's tackling so many different things mm-hmm. um, that I think that it, it, you could argue that it's in, but I, I think our gut reaction, our answer has got to be Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think Dad and you might... Also argue old school, maybe? Yeah, old school is is in my top five for sure. It and might be. Old school is arguably a perfect comedy. Like, from the cast to the execution to the the fun music to the, the... When it was released, it was released in what I've referred to as, like, this American Pie era or, like, just post-American Pie era where, like, college movies and parts were, were, like, were the pillared. It did. Um, it, sp- it spoke to us, too. I mean, American Pie came out when we were in high school or when I was in high school. Old School came out, I think, my freshman year of college. So it kind of like maybe that just means a little bit more to us because it, it was during those times of our lives that we could kind of watch the movie and then go, you know, quote stuff or we were at keggers or whatever, awkward high school time, parties and quote those was things. the last time you watched Old School? Oh, it's been a while, actually. Uh, I would say probably at least two years, at least, before we've been doing this yeah. podcast. No, I watched it, or I, I, I think Maddie was flicking around the other day and I saw it, or saw parts of it. It's still, like, Will Ferrell is really funny oh, yeah. in it. That's... And, like, I, I think it's Vince Vaughn is, like, kind of in his prime then, too. Just, like, that's just before Wedding Crashers, um, you know, maybe maybe a few years before Wedding Crashers, and you just kind of like none of them are too self-aware or too big for their britches yet. You know, they were still doing kind of, you know, group comedies and stuff like that. And I think old school, again, was just kind of the pinnacle party movie um, that still, you know, still still is relative today. There's nothing I think that they did that couldn't be done today. You know what I mean? Right, like no, we I talk th- about like the black face and Tropic Thunder or like, you know. No, I think in another 20 years, they'll try to do another type of old school. Because I think that it was Animal House had kind of had the title belt up until old school and still might for depending on what generation you're from. But I think that every generation will have their version of old school. And I think we'll, we'll probably see once people start going back to colleges and all that stuff, we'll probably see another one. The other thing is, too, we're kind of in an era right now where you can't get as racy as as you could back then. Uh, but I think someone will roll the dice. And it's just too easy of a subject and too, I don't know, fun and relatable for, for audiences not to do one. So 
whoever that next generation of com- com- uh, com- comics are or comedic actors will hopefully take that on. All right, what else do we got from Terry here? I'm looking. So for Terry, um, so I'm going to switch his questions around here a little bit. So he asked for some movie suggestions for the viewers from based out there that's on Netflix. So I, I have my answer rolled up for this one. Um, perfect jerk movie. Like if you guys are into action, if you like Chris Hemsworth, there's a movie called Extraction on Netflix. That is super entertaining. I think, in my opinion, it's got almost like John Wick style of choreography in terms of the fight scenes. But also it's just got a lot of, uh, it's basically a kidnapping heist, uh, kidnapping. It's, it's a good, it's a good cast and it's a, it's a really fun movie. Uh, but for especially for like a Netflix movie, I feel like it went under the radar. Okay, um, yeah, I'm trying to hit a deep cut too. I knew, I mean, I know we've mentioned stuff. But I actually watched Dog's documentary on uh, My Octopus Teacher the other night, which was really, really good. So I can now officially second that because I think <laughs> I think I kind of rolled my eyes when you first said that that was the best thing you watched in 2020. But it really, really, really is good. So if you haven't watched that, I would I would second Dog's opinion on that. I also saw the movie with Pierce Brosnan and Jackie Chan. Again, it's a cheap, it's a cheap action movie, but it's Jackie Chan doing all that he can. Is I think he's probably 60, 65 years old now, and it was called The Foreigner, and I really liked it. It was a yeah, different, yeah. darker movie for Jackie Chan, and Pierce Brosnan finally got to speak in his native Irish tongue, where he didn't have to play a Brit or anything like that, um, and he he got to be kind of like an Irish mobster. It, Go and watch it if you haven't already. I wouldn't say it's my favorite Netflix, but if I think Terry's asking for something kind of obscure that maybe he hasn't seen. Um, if you like action flicks, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. So wrapping it up here, this is our final question. Uh, well, it's just more of a, a Terry throwing it on the table, this topic here. Uh, that's going to wrap us up and kind of wrap up season one here. Um, is... Uh, he liked to know our take on award shows. And the reason I took this question and, and decided to, to bring it to the table is because I had a lot of people who listen to this podcast ask me if we were going to do an Oscar show, or I had a lot of people who were like, Oh, you're always talking about movies, which it's like, yeah, I, I guess but I, I could give a shit about the Oscars. Like I don't care at all about awards. Like I think they are, you know, lobbied for, and I think it's a whole political process that doesn't inform me. I mean, sure, like uh, after the Oscars, out like I'll take into consideration all the movies that were you know put there mm-hmm. uh, or that were also into consideration. But I don't care about the awards, the shows at all. I don't care about what they, what people dress like, what they how they act there, I could, I, I really think it's one of the most vapid and useless points, parts of Hollywood. Yeah, like, so, it's just like, so this is coming off the heels of the Oscars, which was what, Sunday? Um, and I gotta say, I mean, now, granted, they couldn't do some things because of COVID, like the big groups and all that, but I gotta say, I was not entertained that much this year, short of Glenn Close doing her uh, her little dance so there. Let me ask you, let me cut in here. What are you normally entertained by besides like maybe Ricky Gervais's 
uh, monologue or, you know, right. whoever's hosting their opening monologue. Besides that, what is, what is entertaining? Like, so a, b- a bunch of things I do like, I kind of do like watching the celebrities. Like I'll watch a little bit of the red carpet stuff and I get into it cause Crystal's so into fashion that like that, that that, like being able to ask her, like, do you like that? And just kind of get her perspective. Now, now you're in the fashion. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of, kind of. Yeah. So there's that no, aspect I, of it. I do like the jokes. I like to be, I'm, I'm critically watching whoever's hosting it and, you know, ready to either say that was good or roast or, or laugh at their jokes. Seth MacFarlane, Ricky Gervais, like all these guys have, have done. And even Billy Crystal, which his, his shtick got old, but I kind of liked him too. Steve Martin back so, in the day. Like I, I, I did like the, those hosts. And, and also, above everything, I like to use it as a tool to to set whatever I'm going to be watching for the next month. So generally speaking, a lot of these movies are just out right around Oscars time. And I don't really know, just based off of the, the previews, if they're going to be good or not. I think that the Academy generally does a pretty good job as far as categorizing you know, best dramas, best CGI, best costumes, best leading actors. And it kind of sets my table for like the next two months for the movies that I'm going to be watching. If I've already seen the movie, then I kind of watch it as far as like a sports show. Okay, hey, this is... Uh, I don't know, Saving Private Ryan, I really want this one to win this year, or Forrest Gump, whatever. I really want, it's kind of like watching a sports show for me and rooting for my favorite team to win. And when it doesn't, it, it's the same feeling as if the Celtics would lose, as, you know, if, uh, I don't know, if the, when The Departed won, it felt like, you know, the Pats had won a Super Not quite that, but it's, it's the same rooting interest for for me watching it. So I, I feel like I have some yeah. stake based off of the movies that I liked and watched throughout the year. And again, the ones that I haven't, then I, I write down and I make sure that I see them. Yeah. And I'm not going to knock anyone who enjoys it. Um, I understand mom specifically enjoys the musical performances and like, uh, you know, some people, like you said, enjoy the fashion, some enjoy the comedy. For me, I just can't see past um, all of it's part of like the validation, like the desperate yeah. validation they all need. Yeah, uh, no, it's phony for sure. It's definitely phony, but I kind of like making fun of that. And I don't know, I, I get, I, I get into it for the night and I definitely recognize as I'm watching it when they're just saying, Oh, this, you know, key grip was the most, you know, I talked to someone, you know, some little person on the set and it just had this most big impactful, like, it's just a bunch of people, you know, slinging around some bullshit. It's rich people. Yeah, it's rich people just, in rich clothes. Bolstering up their own, yeah. They're both bolstering up their own moralities, their own like uh, perceptions of themselves, but also like managing everybody else. It, it's just kind of, for me, that function it, of Hollywood is just kind of, uh, it doesn't play a role in, 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 in producing good art necessarily. Um, like, although some people do, I think, uh, you know, uh, there's Oscar bait films and there's people who specifically go for awards. Uh, I just think that if you need an award to tell you that you're doing a good job or that you need that sort of validation, I just think it's kind of sad. Um, but yeah. I, I hear you. I guess that's my personal opinion. But I'm sure, you know, 
Dog, if uh, Polar Seltzer, you know, put us up for an award, you know, I might have to take it. <laughs> Definitely. You know? Yeah. Just to appease our, our sponsors or something like that, you know? It's sure. like, there's some people, not everybody is, is, uh, is, you know, like, you know, even the guys like from South Park took and used the, their Emmy uh, award to, uh, they, they put it up on the screen when Randy Marsh was taking the world's biggest shit. They're like, <laughs> award-winning show. So it's like, you know, some people are getting, some of the right people are getting it, but... Yeah, but there's just no other way to measure it. I mean, I feel like if, if we left it up to the public, like, whatever superhero movie would win every year, and, you know, that's... No, what about what about IMDb? All right, so what about, like, a rating system, like IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes, where, like, that could, we've talked about rating systems. Tim, Tim versus the, now, the Algorithm is a podcast just a little bit ago where we talk about how those are informing our watching decisions, or your specifically watching yeah. decision more so than uh award shows or award you know um i do though i don't know i do use award shows as as like the champ like a championship or like a milestone for the for whatever the year looked like so um you know what we how we started this podcast we were kind of you know imitating you know the bill simmons rewatchable stuff he goes back and what he does is at five years after every Oscars, he goes back to make sure that we get it right now that we have some perspective rather than, you know, watching the movie and making a quick decision. And I like I like doing that, too. I like looking back, as, as you guys have probably known on like a lot of these podcasts, I use Oscar nominations and awards as a reference to what was going on in, in particular times to put us back there. So... No, I think that's I, I, an interesting. I use it as a tool. I use it. I use the Oscars and these awards as a tool historically. Uh, you know, trying to keep in mind what my mind frame was when I was watching them for the first time too. Well, I, I think that is. It would be really cool, and I would respect the Oscars a lot more. I think if they went on hold for two years mm -hmm. and then elected their the Oscars, so people aren't rushing to get their movies in on time or whatever. Two, two years post, so now we have had time to digest and stuff. Because a lot of times, again, we talk about the political motivations or something like that, or you know, the the fact that Black Panther is rated like as like a perfect movie on IMDb or something like that. Right. Where it's you know these are you know these are political motivations that are inspiring these things. But if they if the heat and the 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 public uh, stir around some of these movies were to cool and to settle into, again, if we were to give them the opportunity to digest a little bit more, I think the Oscars and award shows would be more uh, accurate in their awarding of, you know, of, of, of what they're trying to do. Cause I think you're right. Like they, like they, you, they want to nail it for this year. This is the one that, that spoke to us the most, but then 10 years later, it's like, well, what did they even like? What, what did that right. mean? What I does that mean I now? I think the one that stands out the most was like Shakespeare in Love won, won one year. They won the best picture. And I can't remember what the other nominees were, but if you go back and look, it was just by far the shittiest one. And I think it was just, right. I think Gwyneth Paltrow was like really at the peak of her powers that year. And like, it was, it was a political poll. It ended up being, you go back and, and see all the other ones that were nominated and it's almost laughable that uh, those other movies didn't win. I, I don't have it up here in front of me, but, uh, but I agree. Mm -hmm. All right. So th this last one, 
Ter- Terry from Philadelphia, you certainly got us with this. Got us. I think that was probably the longest answer that we have. And I'm looking. We're over the hour mark now. But guys, this has been a lot of fun. You know, let, dog. I I'd love to do this again. I mean, whether it's Absolutely. for movies or other type of write-in stuff. Uh, really kind of a fun format for us, and and really got us got us going on a lot of these questions. So thanks for everyone who submitted. Dog, thank you for answering. And we'll see everyone in season two. Set me up to zone out, pushing paper.